With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Thread is a new hit podcast from Ozzy Media that explores history's surprising connections in order to discover how one thing leads to another, like how movie moguls in early Hollywood helped spark the Me Too movement today. Get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen. Hey, welcome in to All Ball, the all-basketball podcast here in the Herd Podcast Network. I'm Doug Gottlieb. Make sure you subscribe. Obviously, there's the LeBron situation, which we pushed back recording this as much as we could. It's Friday morning in Los Angeles. LeBron James just made it unofficially official in opting out of a deal that everybody knew he would opt out of. Like It would make no sense to opt in and to leave the control to the hands of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He opts out. He's a free agent. Doesn't mean he can't return to the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, but it does limit the possible destinations. So we pushed this back as much as we could because we wanted clarity. What happens with Kawhi? What happens with Paul George? What happens with LeBron? Do they all get together in L.A.? I'll get to that in a second. Also, we're going to talk a, just a little bit of some recruiting on the NCAA circuit, only in that there's been a proposed massive change, massive change for college basketball and how the summer circuit works out. Um, and we'll, I, we'll have what I think is a short but very interesting discussion to which hopefully will make you think. Many of you who are my friends who listen to this podcast, you're like, dude, this is the best way I catch up on NBA. I get a little college hoops, and then I'm on my way. 
Hope this fit works out for you. So if you're on your way to the lake, to the beach, to the mountains, or you're taking your kid to a camp, basketball camp, um, or you're, you're going to a basketball tournament, wherever you're going, take this with you. And throughout the summer, we're going to continue to update you on college NBA stories. And uh, one of my kind of goals is I'm lining up guests to tell us their personal kind of basketball journey and some of the things they did along the way, people who taught them along the way, words of wisdom for for uh, parents of rising basketball stars or for the basketball players themselves. So you listen to it with your kid. You're like, man, listen to this thing. It's really, really interesting. Let's start with LeBron, who continues to control without kind of controlling, right? It's always been my thing with LeBron, which is, hey, you, you're the godfather. It's your favorite movie. You like, to, you like to be the guy who people come in and kiss the ring and ask favors for. Can you control without controlling? The one issue I have with LeBron is there are things that he could control if he wanted to. That when things go awry or amiss, he simply says, hey, that wasn't me. You know, Kyrie Irving gets traded. He tells Rachel Nichols, I I called management. I called, you know, our general manager. And I told them not to do this deal. Meanwhile, why don't you call Kyrie Irving? Kyrie says he wants to stay. He will stay. Or says, Kyrie, let's stay one more year, dude. Then you can do whatever you want. Then they'll trade you. But... Kyrie Irving was tired of the circus, was tired of the blame you get if you don't perform and nobody pays attention to LeBron. I think he's just tired of all that, one kind of his own thing, want to try something new, and he lucked into the Boston thing. So then you have Kawhi Leonard who, you know, look, we can put blame on our uncle. We can put blame on the medical staff. I, I think though some of it comes down to th- there's a point in every person's life in which you want to take control of your own destiny. And... Oftentimes, um, the place you leave behind is going to feel bitterness, no matter how you leave it. I've left other jobs, and at least one of the places I've left previously, you know, you'll, you'll walk out the door and people will beg you to stay and make you a contract offer. And then you go like, hey, you know what? I just want to try something different, something new, a new company. I've been doing this a while. And they'll look at you like you're, you're, you got your head on. And, or maybe they'll support you initially. And then... And then some negative feelings can fester. I think this is just kind of sped up because Kawhi didn't like how he was treated, didn't like how he was talked about. Um, I can't speak to his thigh and if it didn't feel right. You know, like, look, you are your own best doctor. But when there were questions about his health, when he's saying he wasn't right and his teammates don't 100% support him, that's when you're like, check, please, I'm out. Because, one, that's how the teammates really feel. Or, two, if they're simply sucking up to Greg Popovich, that's how he feels. So there's a a way in which the San Antonio could have handled the situation better. There's obviously ways in which Kawhi could have handled the situation better. But he's done there. And because he's kind of a nonverbal communications guy, because he's made it clear to everyone around him he wants to be in Los Angeles, this idea of Philadelphia, this idea of Boston, This idea of anywhere other than Los Angeles is far-fetched. And so while San Antonio wants to make you believe that here they have, by many people's estimation, Kawhi Leonard's the third best player in the NBA, LeBron Durant being the best two. Plays both ends, and you can win big with him. You can win a title, frankly, with him if if he'll he'll play for you, if he'll be healthy. And remember, he's 
if you're going to, you, it's hard to build around a team a guy who is a nonverbal communicator. You got to have some other source of leadership on the team because that's just not what he does. He his leadership is with play, not as much with words. So, um, as much as I, I think what you hear when you, or what you read when you're on Twitter, you're read, reading different columns. Remember, these are stories that are planted. You read them because you want to. Right? And, and excuse me, they're in there because that's what the Spurs want you to read. The people I talk to in the NBA tell me Boston's not trading Kyrie Irving, and they're not really trading Jason Tatum. Why? Because, one, they have Tatum under contract for three more years at a rookie salary. Two, they know Jason Tatum is completely locked in mentally to being a part of the Celtics. Those guys are so motivated to get back to where they were, they thought, they thought the Cavs stole one in Game 7. They're up 12 in the second quarter. They missed some shots. I thought they took some quick shots. They give up a couple of transition baskets, something they've done a great job of. And they end up losing to a team to which they had on the ropes, on their home floor, without their two best players. There's this, there's this other sense, like that Gordon Hayward's just okay. Like Gordon Hayward's not just okay. He's fantastic. So let, let's... The, the naysayer would say, well, you can trade Gordon Hayward. If they're, they're not going to get Gordon Hayward as the number one free agent who can play and guard four positions, who played for their coach in college, who has no real ego. And so he, an egoless star is, frankly, the best kind of star when you're putting him on a team with other potential stars and a superstar in Kyrie Irving. So... Gordon Hayward, however maligned you may make him, remember, he played in Utah, so he was under the radar. He got better every year. His last year with Utah, he was the most sought-after free agent. He averaged 22-23 a game and was an all-star in the West where you have the best wings in the league. So you can question how good you think he is, but the league believes he's, a, he's going to be a perennial all-star. So you have Gordon Hayward. Then you have Kyrie Irving. Well, maybe he'll trade Kyrie. You know, he's got the knee thing. Don't get me wrong. The knee thing makes me a little bit queasy. If you know about what he had done, there was no new injury. This all goes back to the NBA Finals injury from four years ago where he had three screws put in, and then he had a wire that held them together. They took the wire out first. Then one of the screws appeared to be infected. They had to take those out, and they had to make sure it gave it healing time. All signs point to the knee, knee healing up perfectly, but if it doesn't, now you got like a Brandon Roy type of situation, and that's no good. The Celtics believe his knee will be fine, and the Celtics know that whatever you think of Kyrie – they love him, and he loves Boston. Boston's a completely different atmosphere than that of the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? There's, there's respect for their head coach. On the other hand, it's how their head coach respects them. It's, just, it's different than David Blatt, who was a dictator and tried to be a dictator and fought constantly with LeBron James, to Tyron Liu, who, though he's a former Celtic assistant and is actually older than Brad Stevens, the fact that Tyron Lewis is a former player, that's just different than the way in which Brad handles himself. Plus, Al Horford is the unquestioned leader, right? And Al Horford is one of those underrated stars, totally businesslike, shows up every day, gets his workout in, gets his deal done, no drama, no fuss, no muss. He gets the ball, he doesn't get the ball. There's no complaining at all about it. Right? That, that's, the, that's the culture of the place. And Kyrie loves it. Loves it. Loves how he's been handled since he was injured, nobody rushed him or forced him back. Nobody talked him out of it. 
loves that there's a long-term plan in place. And the only reason that he didn't sign a contract extension because it's the stupidest thing financially in the history of the world if he was going to do so. They're not moving on from Kyrie and Gordon Hayward because they were able to be successful without them. They want to see how successful they can be with them. And then you would bring in Kawhi Leonard, who's a complete unknown. Yes, he works out with Gordon Hayward in the offseason. This is true. They work out in the same gym. But it's not like they're hanging out together. They're not boys. And it doesn't mean they couldn't co-function. But the only way to get the, the most out of Kawhi is to get him to totally buy into being there. And they've been offered no substantive thought that Kawhi really wants to be there. They're not moving on from Kyrie. Not moving on from, uh, from, they're not moving on from Gordon Hayward. And, you know, look, Jason Tatum, while you hope Jason Tatum can someday be the player that Kawhi Leonard is, the fact is Jason Tatum's under contract on a rookie deal for three more years, as opposed to Kawhi Leonard, who you'd have for one year. Uh, anything else is potentially on the on the table, but why would you make that trade if you're the Spurs? Then if you're the Lakers, I think the big question is, you know, you don't have to make this trade. You can believe you're going to get Kawhi Leonard anyway. That's that's kind of your fallback. Now, it's a risk you play, especially with Paul George, who to this point hasn't said, I'm definitely going to L.A. There are talks that he could remain in Oklahoma City, that he has gotten closer to Russell Westbrook, that he does uh, feel like he fits in with Oklahoma City and their culture. Um, but if you're the Lakers, I, I don't think you part with everything. I just don't. They probably don't want Lonzo, and it's not as much about LeVar, although LeVar is a turnoff to most people. It's more that they like DeJounte Murray. He's a tremendous defensive player. He's not the passer of Lonzo. He struggles to shoot as well. Better finisher going to the hoop than Lonzo is. But their thought is, we have DeJounte Murray. We're not going to go and bring in Lonzo. All right, so then there's Kuzma, Ingram, Josh Hart. Now, if Josh Hart is the guy that keeps you from getting Le- Kawhi Leonard, then you part with Josh Hart. But I don't think they want to because they think Josh Hart has this ability to change your culture, to buy in. Look, if he's your eighth guy in your roster for the next 10 years, you're going to be super, super happy. That's what they think they have in Josh Hart. But if they have to, if, if that's the deal breaker, that's the deal breaker. And then Ingram, they really like. But Kuzma, I think, would fit better if you're bringing in star players than an Ingram would. Ingram is more of a scorer, whereas Kuzma can score but can compete, uh, is a little bit more physical, obviously older, physically more mature. I, I think that if you push comes to shove, you let go of Ingram and you let go of a first-round draft pick or maybe even two, and while many people say, hey, that feels like the Celtics-Nets trade when you gave away three first-round picks, well, you got to be smart about it, not give away first-round picks and the ability to change those first-round picks. But you also have to understand that LeBron James is not on his last leg. He still probably has two more years, you would say, of being peak LeBron. Kawhi Leonard just now reaching his peak. Paul George just now reaching his peak. You're not dealing with guys in their 30s that have won a championship, that are tired, that are done, that are washed the way the Celtics did. So, uh, And then the last part is that people have a greater uh, image of the Spurs as a franchise than the reality would tell you in terms of trading. I would never trade with the Boston Celtics. Tell me a bad trade that Danny Ainge has made. You know, the one that got him Isaiah Thomas cost him nothing. You know, the moves he made last offseason to get rid of Isaiah Thomas was amazing. 
And oh yeah, by the way, he held on to that Nets pick for dear life. And then by the time he parted with the Nets pick, it was under the realization that the Nets were going to be okay. We're going to be okay. It ended up being the eighth pick, which though it have value, it's not like it was the number one overall pick and would have gotten you Marvin Bagley or DeAndre Ayton, especially with the whole world tanking. So there's a, there's a bunch of different parts, elements to it. I still think at the end of the day, they probably all up in, end up in L.A. And here's the last reason why. I saw Paul George, and he has this documentary on his decision, three-part documentary series through ESPN. Maybe he's setting us up to stay. Maybe that's why we're hearing all this stuff about culture and fitting in with, fitting in with, with Russell. Maybe that's why Oklahoma City thinks he's going to stay. Maybe he does feel obligated to do so, and he's one of those guys that just can't walk in. You know, some people aren't equipped to fire other people. One of the things about being a boss is you're going to have to fire people. And it sucks. Hey, you want to be a boss? Yeah, you get to the good parking spot. You know, you get to speak at meetings. You know, you're in on every email. You're in on every decision. One downside, you're going to have to fire people. And at some point, you're going to have to fire a friend. Not everybody's built for that. The thing about free agency is it's a lot like being recruited. Everybody wants to be recruited by all of the best schools. But you know what you're going to have to do? You have to pick up the phone and tell Nick Saban or Bill Self or Jim Harbaugh. You're going to have to tell these guys, hey, coach, Thanks for laying out this vision of me being a star for you, but I'm going to I'm going to choose somebody else. Like that's not an easy it sounds like an easy conversation, but it's not. Because these guys have incredible personalities that you feel like you know them, that you feel like they're the father figure, they're really invested in your life. The same is true here in the NBA. Everybody says they want to be a free agent where dudes are throwing money at them and we want you and we want we want billboards. That's great, but at some point you're going to have to tell somebody who you really like, "Hey, I'm not going to play with you next year." I saw Paul George go to Ibiza and talk with Dwayne Wade. Now, unless Dwayne Wade is going to say, hey, dude, playing with LeBron sucks. It's the worst. Look what happened in Cleveland. Here we are, best friends, and everybody was jealous of us. If you lose, it's your fault, not his fault. Like, unless Dwayne Wade suddenly, who's supposedly LeBron's best friend, is filling him full of nonsense and reasons to not play with him. Unless unless that, you go to meet with Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade should push you over the edge and close the deal. You've always wanted to play in L.A. You, do, you want to play with LeBron. It gives you immediate credibility, a chance to win a championship. Like, what's really the decision here? They got a good young team. Like, go. Go now. Go now. So I do think they all end up in L.A. And I think that everything you hear, everything you read, it's all negotiation. Just like when people freaked out when Magic Johnson said, hey, if we don't get to by next year, it's like, whoa, does that mean he's telling us this year won't happen? No, he's telling the Spurs, if you don't trade him to us, it's fine. We're getting him anyway. He's telling the league, if you trade for him, we're getting him anyway. That's what Magic's saying. Is that arrogant? Sure. But when you're Magic Johnson and, and you've been in situations like this before, you walk into a boardroom and you close. And I think he thinks he's doing it. Okay, what I want to do really quickly, though, is I, I want to – I want, to, I want to pivot because there is a proposal by the NCAA or to the NCAA to dramatically change the J- July recruiting period. And, look, my dad was an AU coach for 40 years uh, or 30 years. My brother's been an assistant coach for over 20 years. I've coached. I've played AU basketball. I have a little different vision, and I know that AU basketball, it used to be there was a handful of select great teams. Now everybody's got an AU team. Um but a, a guy who I really respect because, well, 
like all these guys that cover it, totally grinds and knows the landscape way better than even I know, is Eric Bossy. Follow him on Twitter, eBossHoops, at eBossHoops. Uh, he's national basketball analyst for Rivals.com. You can follow him on Facebook as well. He's a McDonald's All-American voter. Kind of to spend a t- little time this year on All Ball. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for taking time. We're getting ready for the crazy month that is July, where you're going from Peach Jam to Anaheim to Vegas to Indy to, to wherever. What, what do you make of the proposal that let's take away the tournaments and let's create regional, what is it, regional camps, right? Regional camps to solve the AAU problem in recruiting. You know, the thing with these proposals coming, Doug, is that the proposals themselves are being made by the NABC, right? And if you talk to a handful of college coaches, whether it be five or ten, you get kind of a basic framework of, okay, I think we're going to eliminate July, but I think we're going to do camps. And then there's a whole bunch of different examples of exactly how they're going to do it. So there doesn't even seem to be anyone on the same page yet. So it makes it hard to say, hey, this is crazy or this is wrong, because we don't even know exactly what a plan is yet. And it's a plan that seems to be coming from a group of guys that doesn't want to do it, because from everything I can tell, all the guys I talk to, and your, your brother can probably speak to this, seem to want to keep July kind of the same. They like the value of being able to go – to whichever tournament they want to go to, see a bunch of guys versus going to camps now they're going to be structured in a month that they typically had off and like to be around their guys on campus as they're getting onto campus and now have to sift through anywhere from 500 to 1,000 kids at a camp. That's, that's not going to be easy. And the real interesting problem this is going to create if all this stuff goes through is, okay, if we're doing a camp and we're selecting who's involved in camp, what's going to happen when someone who's got some power and knows their way out the legal system says, hey, NCAA, it's hard enough for my son to get a scholarship, and now you as the NCAA are deciding which players are good enough for the coaches to watch, not a decision for them to make themselves. Because I think you know, the kids have to register in a registration system to be approved to play in the events. I think there's like 180 or 190,000 kids in that registration system. Yeah, I don't know how you bring it. And now I don't, we're I don't talking. Know, yeah, I don't, I don't, but I mean, you would end up having to have secondary and tertiary camps, and then you have kids that, you know, you advance out of that camp, you get moved up to a higher, like, it's a it's a lot. Um, and, and the current system has some of that anyway, right? It has the, yeah. oh, you're in the big tournament, but you're in the bronze division. So, right. you know, wink, wink, not, no, you're in the same tournament as the big boys. So even though we already have that, it would be the NCAA kind of man. I, I got so look. If I put you, you've been doing this for a long time. If I put mm-hmm. you in charge of it, and I said like, hey, look, you're never going to make a, a system perfect, but if you could make it better, right. you can make it better. What would you do? Ooh, boy. Um, I think that a little bit of a change to the calendar would be all right. You know, I, I think maybe sometime a week in June. Where you could go, because a big concern of this seems to be let's let's give the, the the power back to the high school coaches. Let's get high school coaches back involved, right. and that and that's fine. But you know, we're not even gonna get into the false assumption that there's no dirty high school coaches out there, right? Because we know that's not the case, right? But, and then and then what is a high school coach when you have so many of these prep school programs which aren't really right. high school that kids go right. to nowadays? Right, right. But I would say maybe okay, take away one of the five day periods in July and put that in June and say hey. It's kind of like in 
February or March or April where you can go watch and evaluate kids at their, at their high school. You can go watch kids wherever, but then, then now we've got, okay, what about the kids who are at prep schools or Oak Hill or somewhere where they're not in session? How do people go see them, right? So the, the perfect solution is one that I don't think just one person can come up with. I think it needs to be summer guys sitting down, high school coaches sitting down, coaches sitting down, take some recruiting guys who've been around for a while and, you know, spend some serious time looking into this because I think, Doug, we all agree that some changes need to be made. We all love the game. We all see that there's problems, right? But it seems to me that there's this rush to come up with a solution to to win a press conference or, or make a, a cool headline or something like that. And that's being rushed versus getting it right. And I don't know what getting it right yet is, but I, I do think, you know, maybe opening up some in June and still having some of the summer stuff, like let's find a happy medium between the two and start going from there. Yeah. I, I, look, the, the thing about the camps, which I think is, is interesting. Uh, I coached at the Pangos camp, but it's not really a camp. It's, it's just, right. it's, it's organized pickup ball. So I do, exactly. and so I I think one of the things you get with that committee is even some of those guys that are on that committee that that have you know the Mike Montgomerys of the world like when they say camp they're like oh I want that old five school five star mentality where you're doing stations in the morning, you know doing stations drill work and then you play at night which I actually would love I, I think I, I do think that there are some there's some teaching there's some skill that's 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 not being taught enough I do think like I've been to Nike's academy uh, what is it the Skills Academy, where I do think mm-hmm. they teach some of those stuff and they do have some of those NBA workouts. The question is, can you do it on a larger scale and get kids a lot to, to buy in and get coaches to evaluate on the drills and the ability to be taught, the desire to be taught, as much as how they play? That, that's a that's a huge question to which I don't know. Like, look, if I was a head coach in college, I'd actually like to see the drill sessions because I want to see if guys pay attention, if guys improve. What's their footwork like? Now, more than anything, if you tell them, hey, we want to reverse pivot here, rip through, go to the baseline, jump stop, and then make a pass, you know, across the baseline uh, to the guy who's, you know, who's, you know, getting a hammer screen in the corner. Can they, can they make those, can they, can they do the mental gymnastics to do it? Because that's, you're going to have to coach him. How much coaching yeah, am I having to do? But, but, no question. but we don't do that. We just roll it out right. and, and play, and I think that's to the detriment of everybody involved, but it's the easiest thing to do, and it's the easiest way to evaluate. And I'll tell you another reason why I think we don't do that, Doug, is I've been to the camps in the past where they do that, the old Nike All-American camp in Indianapolis, the way they used to have it set up, ABCD, when they would have a, a little bit of skill stuff, Very uh, little, the Under Armour yes. All-American camp, yeah. When, yeah. They, when, when they would have skills. You know what happens? The majority of the coaches don't show up for them because they say they don't want to watch guys do drills, right? Yep. And then also, if we're talking about these camp systems with anywhere from 500 to 1,000 kids, how many courts are there going to be? How many places are going to be set up to handle this? And then, you know, let's see Coach K, Bill Self, Roy Williams, John Calipari watch these drills when – they may have one guy on a court with 50 guys and they got to sit through the other 49 guys that they could care less about. Right. So that's, that's what we're getting into the interesting, but I I agree. You know, I think the key is finding balance and stopping pointing fingers at everybody. And 
in saying, you know, if, if you want to get this right, we all got to part in this, and we've all got to work together rather than – it's almost kind of like they're creating these sides. Either you're on the high school side or you're on the summer side. Right. And I think it's such a wrong way of going about it. You know, we should be trying to come together in all this rather than, than separate everyone. Eric Bossy joining us. Um, uh, so, okay, uh, the one thing that I do think people get caught up on is it's a proposal. Okay, it's not a new rule. Do you think the proposal ends up being enacted? You know, I don't. I, I guess I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because all the guys I've talked to seem so confused about what it exactly means and don't seem happy about it. Don't seem happy about it being a proposal. But I've seen stranger things happen. Stranger things happen, you know. I, I can't imagine that every school is going to be on board with this, but I don't know how many schools have to pass it for it to go through. Is it, you know, is it a simple, you know, one more vote gets it through, or does it have to be by percentages? These are the things we didn't know, but I guess the status is the NABC has a proposal. They're going to put it to their board. Their board's going to vote on it in what, August, I think? Yeah. And then if they like it, then they take it to the Condoleezza Rice Commission. And she recommends changes get made and things happen. You know, if you speak to people with the NCAA, it's 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 even split there. There's some people at the NCAA who are gung ho on doing this, and there's some who are in compliance or sitting back saying, "Hey, hold up, wait a second. How on earth are we going to staff this? How are people going to pay for it?" Like one of the most hilarious things is the thought that schools are going to bid on this process. You know, running a camp for as many kids as they're talking about, it's going to be incredible. Well, there's a, there's a bunch bunch of other things. They want NBA assistants and G League yeah. coaches to coach this thing. Like, okay, when are you going to do that? You can't do it in July uh, because in July they have summer league, right? You, yeah. you can't do it in June because they're still playing or they're evaluating players. You do it in August. That's their only month off. When you there's a yeah. lot there's a lot of flaws. That's why I'm I'm one of these people. Like, look, I think it's a there's a little bit of knee jerk to it. It's a dramatic upheaval. It's not crazy to think that they'll do something crazy just to say they did something crazy. Yep. My guess would be that it gets when they start to dive into it. They're like, "Wow, this is a lot harder than we thought." Let's just say this was our proposal, and the coaches shot it down. So that if something goes wrong again, we can blame the coaches. That's the easiest yeah. thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly basically what I wrote last week in a column. It's like, hey, you know, are some of these things they're talking about worrying me a little bit because I think there's not enough discussion being made? Yes, but. I think there's been a collective freakout when we don't even know what's happening yet, and so we're kind of putting the we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves on all of this. All right, kind of quickly here, um, you're a McDonald's All American voter, and at Rivals.com you do your rankings. Trayvon Duvall was where going uh, coming out of his senior year? Oh, I think number six in the country, but he was our number one ranked point guard. And he goes undrafted on draft night. What was your reaction? Um, I was surprised. I even. Throughout the draft process, when teams would call to ask about him, you know, I was able to get the sense that there were worries about him and that his stock could be in trouble. And I remember having some some talks with some people who were in one level or another kind of connected to Trayvon and saying, hey, look, you know, just giving you some feedback here. There's some concerns about him and how well he'll adapt to all the all the things that go in the NBA, especially places that run a lot of plays and stuff like that. And there's worries about either his attitude 
and the attitudes of people around them and if that's going to be worth dealing with. And it's always a fine thing because I have such a different relationship with these kids, right? Like for me, Trayvon was never anything but nice and very easy to deal with. But there's another side of the story out there that says differently. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens here with him. And, you know, it's just been kind of a interesting draft cycle for Duke anyway between Trayvon going undrafted and then you've got Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter's, Wendell Carter's mom. Yeah. The Wendell Carter's mom thing, wasn't she the one trying to get him to stay at Duke? And, yeah. and, and anyone in their right mind would have wanted Marvin Bagley to leave high school a year early to make them a better team. Matter of fact, I believe that the incoming freshman class collectively talked him into leaving high school a year early. What is, what is What on earth is she talking about? Why, why are they burning a bridge when they don't have to? You know, it's a good question because it brings up a a lot of things. The number one assumption in this is that the Carter family was somehow completely in the blue about all this, which I find hard to believe. You know how much these families talk. Yeah, in the dark. In the dark. You mean in the dark? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. In the dark. Sorry. These families, they 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 talk to each other nonstop. They know what's going on. Like since the day Marvin Bagley left Arizona for Sierra Canyon. Everyone has been talking about, oh, he's going to move up class. He's going to move up a class. Now, his father denied it, denied it, denied it, said, no, it's not going to happen, not going to happen, right until that month or so before it happened. But, you know, they had to know when they were recruiting Marvin that, hey, there's a chance that he could do this. Now, I guess the only rub is if they went to Coach K and the staff said, hey, we know you're recruiting Marvin. That's cool. He's a great player. Wendell has no problem playing with him. And But we want to know, could he be coming in a year early? If they told them no, then that's where a problem would go. Because they should, you know, they at least knew enough to know, hey, hold on here. There's there's talk. They're saying they can't do it yet. But, yeah, if he wants to come in a year early, year early we're going to take him a year early. Because no one's going to say no to him. Eric Bossy, really quickly, i got a minute left for you. Okay. Uh, is Barrett the number one prospect for next year's draft far and away? I don't know if it's far and away, but I think he has to be right now because he's he's very complete. He he works, and if we want to talk about accomplishments of kids up to this point, he's got one of the most, and arguably maybe especially in the in the in the dot com era of, of basketball recruiting. Yeah. He's got arguably the most accomplished high school career of anyone to go, and he seems to check all the boxes of everything you're looking for in a new thing. But, you know, the biggest key is going to be if he gets that jump shot right, it's it's probably going to be no question. Well, if the jump shot's still a question mark, then there'll be some question by the end of the year. All right, later in the summer, I want to have a discussion about Zion Williamson, who, of course, everybody loves because he dunks, but how good a basketball player will he be? Can he become a face-up guy? Can he guard anybody? Can he lose some of that weight? But in the meantime, keep doing what you do. You do a great job. Eric Bossy, uh, follow his work, Rivals.com. Follow him on face, Facebook or on Twitter, at Boss Hoops. All right, so what do we know? I don't know. I mean, really? You want me to tell you I know unequivocally? All right, what I know unequivocally is Celtics aren't trading Kyrie Irving. It's not happening. I don't think they're tra- trading Jason Tatum either. I think they really like him. Do they think he'll be a superstar? They were even surprised by how good he was once they had all those injuries. He averaged 14 a game, and they thought there would be a a drop-off, just fatigue. There was no mental fatigue, no physical fatigue. Still work to be done. 
I think they think they have a championship team. That doesn't mean they wouldn't go after Kawhi Leonard, but they're not trading one of their stars to get Kawhi Leonard. They'll trade other stuff to get him. So I think he's going to the Lakers, but I don't think he's going to the if he's going to the Celtics, it would not be it would it would be out of spite, and that's just a bad, a dumb way to trade him. And I think the Lakers can pay a little bit more than than what anybody else is willing to pay for a, a rental player. Uh, I still operate under the premise that LeBron James is going to LA. One, because he's going to have Kawhi, and two, he can talk Paul George into him. If he was going to stay in Cleveland, he should have operated all season long or even the playoffs longer, after the playoffs, in a way in which he would find the pieces to put together in order to stay in Cleveland. If he says he's staying, it would generate a ton of interest in Cleveland trading away their pick or Cleveland making a trade now in order to get another player or two to go with him. As it stands, Cleveland's acting as if he's leaving because he probably is. Make sure you download, which you've done, you rate, you subscribe. You always listen to All Ball. We got a little college hoops for you. We got some NBA hoops. Next week, we'll know where LeBron's going. And we'll react to what it means for the league. Plus, we'll get you ready for the summer of hoops instead of the summer of LeBron. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you've been listening to All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.